Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. This is the word of the Lord. This morning, we conclude our sermon series on encounters Jesus has with others in the Gospel of Matthew. During this series, we have watched Jesus call his first disciples. We've watched him heal the leper, respond to the eager volunteer. We've watched him answer the request and marvel at the faith of the centurion. We watch him dismiss the requests from Mother Zebedee and offer harsh words to the religious leaders. We have by no means, of course, exhausted encounters Jesus has with others, but we have nearly run out of time. For this Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, and next Sunday begins the season of Lent and a new sermon series. Today, though, before we leave this series, we consider one more Jesus encounter, this one we just read. The disciples, up to this point, have traveled with Jesus from place to place. They were eyewitnesses when he healed all kinds of diseases and when he raised people from the dead. They had front row seats when he preached his sermon on the mount. They were there on the shore of the lake when he taught from parables while seated in the boat. They watched as crowds were clamoring for Jesus, and they were not turned away even though he was tired and in need of rest. They these 12 men were his closest students, watching him work and learning from his ways. In today's text, they watch as family members bring young children to Jesus so he can lay his hands on them, bless them, and pray for them. What a beautiful image to have in your mind or even to look at in one of the stained glass windows that's found in the chapel. After all these things Jesus has done, like calming calming the storm and driving out demons, one would think that this request is fairly simple. The disciples, though, don't see it the same way. Go, they say to the children. Get away from here. Be on your way. Jesus has more important things to do than to pray for people like you. You can imagine the trauma inflicted on these young children and the shocked look on their face 
on these little ones who were simply being brought to Jesus for a blessing. The word rebuke in our text can also be translated to scold or to reprimand. This is the same Greek word that is used when Jesus stills the storm, when he drives out demons, and when he reprimands Peter and says to him, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the concerns of God. What the disciples are doing is no casual, move along now, kids. No, the disciples are irritated, and they are vehemently trying to get these children away from Jesus. What lies at the heart of such behavior? Is it simply a lack of patience? similar to what we've seen before when they have turned people away? Think of the feeding of the 5,000 when it was late and they were in a desolate place with no food to be found. They say to Jesus, just send the crowds away so they can go and find food elsewhere. And when a Canaanite woman cries out for mercy or her demon-possessed daughter, and Jesus does not respond immediately, the cry rings out from the disciples, "Send her away, Jesus, for she keeps crying out after us. If you listen to those stories, you hear the cries of desperation. But there is no desperation in the story of Jesus and the children. Instead, the disciples are likely letting two schools of thought influence their thinking. First, that these young children are not worthy of Jesus' time. They are simply not that important at that age. That's what much of society thought of children at that time. They were, in some ways, marginalized, just like those who were lame, leprous, widowed, or poor. In addition, the disciples believe these children are interrupting what they consider to be more important matters, more important ways to be proclaiming the kingdom of God. Jesus could be, as we mentioned earlier, raising people from the dead, driving out demons, or out preaching the good news of the kingdom. To stop and take time to pray and bless children? The disciples might say, that is not a good use of Jesus' time. Perhaps, to put it more bluntly, they might say, what a waste of time. While marginalized children may look different today than in Jesus' day, it doesn't mean they still don't exist. Many children, for example, around the world, and even here in our own community, are living in poverty and are at risk. Think of the kids that some of you mentor 
at Congress School as part of our Kids Hope program here at LaGrave. Think of kids who are being lured into the child sex traffic industry today. Think of kids who have faced or who are facing abuse from adults in their lives. When I was teaching, I watched this happen to one of my students. Ryan's parents never married, and so he began life living with his mom and his two sisters. Substance abuse was evident in the family, and eventually that meant a move to a less-than-ideal foster family. His dad seemed to finally get his act together, even taking the required parenting classes, and he took custody of the three kids. But once mom got out of jail, things seemed to unravel again for the entire family. Ryan was supposed to go back to the same foster family that he had been at before, but they decided they didn't want him, only the two sisters. I can still remember the first day of school when he walked into the building with minimal school supplies and even no idea of what classroom he was supposed to be in. We heard about similar struggles just last month at the Primers Seniors Program here at church, where we heard a presentation from leaders from Wedgwood Christian Services, an organization, as some of you are aware, that seeks to help children, families, teenagers, to help heal the hurt and trauma that they have experienced in their lives. These are children who long for a fresh start, these are children who long for a safe place to live. These are children who long for people who will care for them well. In fact, last year, Wedgwood received prayer requests from several teens who were receiving treatment and care in one of their residential programs. And many of those kids submitted nearly the same prayer requests. It said, please pray that God gives me a family and that they love me. In our story today, the person who loves and cares deeply is Jesus. In the midst of the disciples' strong rebuke, Jesus becomes angry at them and says, let the children come. Do not send them away, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Those same words we heard as part of the, the baptismal liturgy this morning. And with that, he lovingly takes the children into his arms. Pastor Christy, in her children's sermon a few weeks back, told the children how she used to do headstands when she was a kid. She told them this to illustrate that in the kingdom of God, when we follow the ways of Jesus, things are not always as we think they should be. Often God turns things upside down. And this story is a classic example of that. 
What a radical shift from the disciples' response. What a radical shift from the culture. What a radical shift even from the religious beliefs of the time. This leads us to ask the question, what does Jesus do to accomplish this radical shift? Let's zoom in a little closer to this short story. First of all, Jesus sees. He notices the children. He pays attention to their need. He sees what's going on. And then he touches. He takes them in his arms and he lays his hand upon them. He loves them. He welcomes them. He has compassion on them. And then he also prays for them. Except for touching, which of course is something we need to be careful with today. There is nothing to prevent us from seeing, loving, and praying for others who are in need. And even if it's not appropriate to physically touch someone in certain situations, we can still touch them in ways like mailing a card or sending a text or writing an email. All ways to show them God's love. We see a love for children here at LaGrave when we watch our children bound down the aisle in eager anticipation of the children's message. In fact, if you are watching online now or if you have watched the live stream at some point, you may have noticed that the camera purposely focuses in on the aisle as the kids come to and from so we can watch their enthusiasm. We appreciate the boys from Scouts and Youth Outdoors who helped lead us in worship last week, or a few weeks ago, rather. We give thanks for the children who played handbells last Sunday at the evening worship service. And we are delighted at the way God is working through those 22 kindergarten first and second graders who sang for us at the 11 o'clock service last week. We even applauded afterwards. These activities show us that we are following the ways of Jesus, ways that show that children are valuable. Yet God, we believe, is nudging us to do more. The pastors hear many of you tell how you lament children and grandchildren who are no longer attending church or who have wandered away from the faith. We lament that as well. It's one of the reasons the grave is currently involved in the Growing Young program. As we seek to form meaningful relationships with young people, those relationships between adults and young people, so that they will keep the Christian faith, that they will feel welcome and valued here at church. It's also why we are always seeking more baptism prayer partners like Marlene, who are willing to commit to faithfully pray for the children and their families. 
Indeed, God desires us to see the value of children. But God also wants us to see the value of all who are helpless, hurting, or marginalized, no matter their age. From Jesus' actions, we see a picture of how we must overcome the irritation like that experienced by the disciples and instead devote ourselves to the spiritual and physical care of others. Perhaps that includes families who currently are or who have experienced divorce. Maybe that includes people who are barely making ends meet or have no place to call home at all. It could be someone who struggles with mental illness or who is battling an addiction like alcohol or drugs. Perhaps it's a homebound member who so wishes they could be here physically, sitting with you in the sanctuary, but who physically is no longer able to do so. There's certainly no end to the list of people that we could give who are marginalized. People God is calling us to see, love, touch, and pray for. I'm grateful for two families that did that for Ryan. First, a quality foster family who took him in and began the healing process the process of healing him from all the trauma he had experienced even in that young life. They went above and beyond what the courts required, instead followed what God was calling them to do. And then, praise God, a wonderful family who saw him, who touched him, who loved him, and who last year adopted him into their warm and loving family. As we thought this morning about disciples who didn't follow the ways of Jesus, it might be easy to be a bit harsh on them. I have to confess, I was this week as I studied this text. We could call them forgetful followers, or some commentators say slow learners. But if we're honest, we're really not that different from them because we too forget what Jesus teaches at times and we fail to follow his ways, the ways of one who laid down his life for us and who asks us to lay down our lives for others. As we go from this place today, may God, by his grace and through the power of his Spirit, Give us the ability to remember what he teaches and then to put that into practice. The work of seeing, loving, praying for, and reaching out to children and people of all ages. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, 
We thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that we have been able to spend time with the stories of Jesus in your word throughout this epiphany season. Father, we thank you for the truth that is contained in them. And we pray, Father, that as we reflect on those stories, we pray, Father, that you would forgive us for the times we have been forgetful and for the times we have failed to follow your ways. Father, empower us instead to live like Jesus did, to remember and to do what you call us to do. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior, and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.